Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Father, we thank you for this this evening. We thank you for technology. We thank you for the ability to fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for the gift and uh, miracle of technology so that we can fellowship and connect together uh, through smartphones and tablets and, and whatnot. And so I just pray that those who've tuned in, who've taken some time to listen to your word, that you would uh, really speak to them and touch them, God. Others may hear this uh, as a recording. Lord, I ask that you would light a fire in us to, to be those that are led by the Spirit, who are following the Holy Spirit to greater and greater levels of maturity in our walk with Christ. Help us to be those that are genuine. Help us to be those that are true and to avoid the pitfalls of getting into anything that is not what you're promoting. And uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, once again, this is true and false Christian spirituality. I'm going to start off with the introduction here. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I shared a warning. Uh, If you want to hear that warning, that's a couple uh, weeks ago on the website, uh, on our teachings website. Um, But that kind of that kind of launched me into a, a series of thoughts. And so I, I started with kind of a warning with regard to the false prophetic and conspiracies and lies that are being promoted uh, in our culture, but also in the church. So I really, uh, I took one week, a couple weeks ago, to really highlight the need to, um, to watch out for this stuff. I followed that up last week with, hey, we need to look at Jesus who is full of grace and truth out of John 1. And so that's kind of a follow-up to the two weeks ago warning message. And then tonight is maybe could be considered a follow-up to last week. So it's kind of a three-part series because there was this warning I felt to share and then the answer really is to look at Jesus who he is only truthful. He'll never speak a falsehood ever. And so we don't give ourselves a falsehood. But the way that we interact with people who are entrenched in conspiracies and lies and false prophecies, we have to be gracious because that's how Jesus is. And so he wants us to be rooted in truth, but he also wants us to be rooted in a gracious spirit. And so the only way we really go there is the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. And so that's really what I want to go for tonight is to understand that there is a genuine, there's a true spirituality that is found written in Scripture. And then there's kind of a false cultural version of Christianity that's kind of shallow and leaves us uh, disconnected from what Jesus is talking about right now. 
And so I want to explain that because here's the thing. We cannot be like Jesus. We cannot be like truthful, gracious. I have it written here in letter A. We can't be grace and truth Christians like Jesus was by trying hard. Or I'm going to wake up in the morning and just determine not to sin. I'm going to be truthful all day and I'm going to be gracious all day by my own determination. That may work for a day or two, but eventually we wear out and then it doesn't work. And what the New Testament in particular, the whole Bible, but the New Testament in particular, shows us a much better way, which is to walk in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. It's by letting him kind of lead us to Jesus. That's, that's how we get there over the years and decades. And uh, this, this is critical. And so let's, let's get going here. That's a little bit on the intro. I love the Zechariah 4.6. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That's how God accomplishes things in the world, in the church, and in us. It's not by my sheer, I'm going to be a strong Christian this week. Well, that might last a week, but it, it won't last 20, 30, 40 years. No one can do that because that's not how it's designed. And so the Lord says, I've got a better way. It's not by might or power or your strength, but if you let the Holy Spirit fill you, if you let the Holy Spirit empower you 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, you're more like Jesus than you would have ever dreamed standing right here tonight. And so first of all, before we get into the real thesis or the main point, I want to step back a little. This is number two and just talk basic doctrine of the Holy Spirit first. The basic doctrine of the Holy Spirit, this is Ephesians 1.13. Paul says in Ephesians 1.13, once you've believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So when, when you first believed in Jesus and you said, it might have been at an altar, might have been, at, you know, you knelt down at, at your bed at night like I did, you know, about 20 years ago, you could have been in a crusade or you could have just heard the radio. No matter how it happens, if you have come to a point where you've said, I want to follow Jesus, I believe that he's God. I don't know everything and I've got a, I've got a past that's really bad, but I, I'm in. If you've said that, you're a Christian. We're saved not by good works. We're saved by grace through faith. And so when we first believe, a very interesting thing happens that is truly astounding. The Bible says when we believe, the Holy Spirit comes into our spirit. And so you no longer have just within you urges to sin, which is before we're saved, it's just we, we have to fight urges on our own. Now as a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Having believed, Paul says in Ephesians 1.13, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You may not have felt it. It may not have been a, a mystical experience. But the moment you became a Christian, God's spirit moved into your spirit. And so now God literally lives inside of you. 
excuse me. As of right now, if you're, if you're in, if you're saying, I love Jesus, I'm not the best follower, but I really, I love him, I'm a Christian, the good news is he's in you. God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, fully God, indwells you and me and every believer that loves Jesus in the earth. I did a series a number of months ago, John 14, 15, 16, 17, about just the real miracle of the indwelling spirit, the role of the spirit in our life. I mean, it, it's truly, when you really think about, wow, wow, God lives in me, wow, you know, that's just, it's big, it's heavy, but it's real. Again, you don't feel like, you know, crazy, you know, you might not feel anything, but he's in there, and the reason he's in there is to help you to live for Jesus and to know truth. And there's a number of scriptures uh, there that we could get into, but I gotta, I gotta keep moving here. So the Holy Spirit, he lives in every person who follows Jesus. And so that means you. And what happens is when the Holy Spirit indwells us, we develop what I would call like a knowing or a sense that we are genuinely born again. It may not you know, be at first, but over time, you know that you know that your salvation is real. And, and you know, th- there's some who are maybe younger in their faith or immature, and they kind of feel like they, they fall in and out of salvation. That's not how it works. Once the Holy Spirit indwells you, you're, you're good. And, um, you know, here's the thing. As we grow and as the years unfold, it only becomes more real And there's probably no feeling in the world like knowing for certain I am God's child. I am God's son or God's daughter. I am going to heaven. That is the certainty that we receive when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We know, again, we're not perfect. Our problems haven't gone away. We go through sufferings and things happen that we didn't foresee but we, it, our salvation's real. God living in us is real. And so that's, that's very important to understand. We're not waiting for some super awesome conference one day where we'll get more of God. The very fullness of God indwells you. If you love Jesus, I mean, if you're in, if you're a Christian, you're saying, I follow the Lord then you have the fullness of God in your spirit right now. In fact, your kids do too. If your kids believe in the Lord, I mean, I'm talking about three, four, five, six, seven. If they love Jesus and they believe in him, they have him too. I've, I've heard the phrase over the years, there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's just God, the Holy Spirit. And so whether you're 95 or 5 or 25 or 65, if you believe in the Lord and you're committed to following him, he's in you right now. And he's in you to help you. The third person in the Trinity, he's just like the second and he's just like the first. He's, he's there to help you as a servant to love God at the highest level. Very important to understand. 
Let's go down to number three because I'm already getting ahead of myself. Number three here. Number three on the notes is that the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ. And he helps us become like Christ. John 14, 26 says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things I said to you. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey guys, I gotta go. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be crucified, resurrected, and go back up to the right hand of the Father. But when I do that, it's actually to your advantage because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. And so God will not only be with you like I was with you in person, you know, but but limited to space. God's Spirit is gonna be in you, wherever you go, he'll be with you. And so that's very important. I mean, I can't, I just try to imagine I'm one of the 12 and Jesus says to me, it's better that I go because I'm going to send you a spirit who's going to be in you. And I just would have thought, what, how, what could be better than face-to-face interaction with Jesus? But That's how God determined it to be. He thought and he knew it would be better if he indwelt us and led us by from the inside out instead of just kind of being in our, you know, line of sight here and there. It says in John 16, it says the spirit of truth, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So we see in John 14, he's called the helper And in John 16, he will guide you. And so he's a helper who guides. He's a helper who guides. And so that's really the Holy Spirit's nature is to help us follow Jesus by guiding us into things that are true about him, into things that are true in the word of God. And that's how we we grow. I put here... In letter A, under number three, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and this is getting toward the main thesis of my uh, message here, the Holy Spirit indwells us to help us, to guide us to be holy and spiritual. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit (laughs) is helping us to become holy and spiritual Christians. Now, again, there's a false cultural version of Christianity that has nothing to do with holiness and genuine spirituality. That's false Christian spirituality. True Christian spirituality is where the Holy Spirit's taking his church, which is to become holy and spiritual. And I'm going to break that down here. Let me just say that one more time. The Holy Spirit is helping you and me become holy and spiritual. Okay? Letter B here. The Holy Spirit, He's helping us to become holy. What does that mean? So the Holy Spirit, number one, trying to make us holy, what that really means essentially is He's, he's making us different. The Holy Spirit has come into us to help us become different. And what kind of different? He wants us to become 
the different like Jesus kind of different. And so you cannot, if the Holy Spirit indwells you and you're like, man, I am in, over time, you're going to change. It's just a fact of the matter. You will slowly but surely over time, again, you know, just because you have a bad day doesn't mean you're not a Christian or even a tough season doesn't mean you're not a Christian. But if you're real serious, I mean, if you're like, I'm in, I mean, I'm not good at it, I'm not perfect, but... I'm in, he will, over time, make you much different than the world. And as you continue to walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit and follow Jesus, you will not only be different than the world or different than your former self, you'll be different than many Christians. And you'll be different than a lot of what's normal in the church. If you surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you will value things that the world doesn't value or what worldly Christians don't value. You will have a whole other perspective on the world and on life. And that's a good thing. That's what I wanted to emphasize. That is a good thing. Because if you're a Christian and 10, 20, 30 years from now, you're not different, that's a problem. Because the Holy Spirit indwells you to make you like Jesus. Now, don't be hard on yourself and say, I, I, can't, I can't see myself changing fast enough. I want to make this clear. Changing, becoming different, maturing is a slow process. And the analogy that I have written down here, it's like when I was a kid, maybe this was something that you experienced. As a kid growing up in our house, we had a... Uh, and my boys are here, so they know at Grandma and Grandpa's house, on the door frame in our kitchen, so you walk in, you know, the side door, you go up the steps, there's the kitchen, and on the door frame, we had all of our little height, how tall we are, marked on the door frame. And I remember, you know, about once a year, we'd put our backs to that door frame, that white door frame, and, you know, I hadn't felt any different, didn't feel like I was growing. We'd put the ruler on her head, put the, mark the pencil and turn around and we'd be shocked. We'd grown, you know, two inches again. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's the door frame and it has all the marks for me and my brothers and my sister. And we never knew we were growing. We never felt like, wow, I just grew a, an inch in, in a year. But you could see we were. And that really, I think it's a close analogy to how in the Christian life, when you say yes to Jesus, it's slow, but it's real. You really do, you do grow, you do change, you do become different. Don't measure it every, uh, you know, month or every, you know, week or, you know, even every year. But as we grow in our spiritual childhood into maturity, we do, there are, there are changes. And uh, even uh, into, as we mature and we, you know, we start to hit the, the 10 years and the 20 years and beyond, we're still going to be growing all the way to the day we meet the Lord. And so our physical man eventually kind of tops out at where we're at, at you know, 18, 20, 22, or whatever. 
uh, you know, barring a growth spurt, but spiritually, we're to always be growing. We're to always be, uh, Holy Spirit, you know, what, what are you emphasizing in my life in this season? How can I become more humble? How can I serve more? How can I do this with my words? And we're always going to be growing. And so keep that in mind. Again, if you're not interested in changing or being different or growing or maturing, then, then a, a, a deeper discussion needs to be had, which is it's not easy to be a Christian and not want to mature because if you're genuine, you're going to definitely want to be changing. And so if, if you're saying, ah, I'm not really into that, you know, being, well, that's where the Lord's taking you. And so definitely be open to that. And then someone who just is kind of in a spirit of rebellion saying, ah, I'm not interested in that at all, I would doubt their salvation. I would say, look, if you're not interested in becoming like Christ, in fact, you're doing things that are, that are consistently uh, grievous, then perhaps, you know, you're not what you think you are. But, but for the vast majority of believers, it's sincere, it's just weak, and it's slow. I mean, the person who is the most spiritual person in the world is still growing slowly, and it's lifelong. You know, that's probably one of the things I hear most, what people are most frustrated about in their walk with God, is they feel like they should be so much further ahead, and they're not. And so that sense of, like, hopelessness or condemnation rests on them, like they're the one person that doesn't get it, when that's how, like, everybody thinks. Everybody is thinking, oh, my gosh, I should be so much more patient, and I blew it there, and I should be mature like, you know, Paul better, you know, sooner. And the Holy Spirit says, stick with that. It's slow. And, yeah, you blew it there, but just just get back on track, and I will continue to change you and make you different. Now, the other thing the Holy Spirit's doing is he is making us spiritual. So he's making us holy, which means we're becoming different. But he's also making us spiritual, which means what, what I mean by that is a genuine biblical spirituality. Not, not, again, what the culture says, well, this is where, you know, this is what I think it means to be a Christian. Well, let's measure that with Scripture. Um, Paul in Galatians 5 says, he says, here's the fruit of the Spirit. And what I want you to understand tonight is another way to think of the fruit of the Spirit is like this. If you're becoming more spiritual, this is what you will look like. Okay, this isn't just a verse we quote in, you know, vacation Bible school. Oh, isn't that such a cute verse for the kids to learn? There's nine of them, so let's... No, what Paul's saying is if you're becoming more genuinely spiritual or your Christianity is becoming fruitful, this is what you will look like. You will be loving. You will be joyful. You will be peaceful. You will be long-suffering. You will be kind. You will have goodness on you. You will be faithful. You will be gentle with people. 
you will have self-control. If those describe you and you're growing in them slowly but surely, then Paul says your spirituality, it's real. And he has long lists of, of if you're not genuinely spiritual, but, but that's the measurement. He wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, and he says, uh, here's a few more fruits of the Spirit, uh, goodness, righteousness, and truth. I like that word truth. If you're becoming more spiritual in a biblical way, you'll love truth. You won't have a tolerance for falsehood, conspiracies, lies, false prophecies, misinformation, disinformation. You won't want anything to do with that. It'll make you nauseous. Because as we become more and more spiritual, we, says right here, the Holy Spirit leads us to truth. And so we value truth more and more and more. Because what Jesus said, John 8, 32, truth is what sets you free. Lies put you in bondage. Conspiracies confuse you, put you in bondage. Uh, Misinformation, disinformation, half-truths, all of that put us in bondage in some way. Jesus says, I want to break you out of those chains. I want to break you out of that prison cell. I want to set you free with truth. And so if you're becoming holy, you're different. People notice it. And if you're becoming spiritual, it looks like something. Measure yourself by that. Again, we don't measure ourselves every day, every month, but over the years, would people say of you, people who know you the best, I mean, this is just a good test. I mean, go to this often and even ask people for real. Just say, hey, you know me pretty well. Would you call me a loving, joyful person? Would Would you say that there's peace and the ability to suffer for long periods of time in my life? Am I kind, you know, is, do you consider goodness something that is something uh, that I value or what about, am I faithful? Would you consider me gentle? Does it look like I have self-control? And if those are all no, or they're not even on your grid, we need to, what you really need to do is you need to understand that that's where the Holy Spirit's trying to take the church. The Holy Spirit is taking the church to a profoundly deep Christ-likeness. This is what it looks like. Now, I have written here a number four. I'm probably going to just take a few more minutes. How am I doing over there? Number four, a relationship with the Holy Spirit is the secret sauce of the Christian life. <laughs> I put that in quotes. It's not really, but... You know, we, we know what a Big Mac is because of the secret sauce. You bite into it. I mean, you could have your eyes closed. Someone says, hey, taste that. We would know immediately that's a Big Mac because I can taste that special sauce in there. The Holy Spirit really is, that's the, it's kind of the, um, it's the, it's the not so secret secret, if that makes sense. Many people They've been Christians for a while. They love the Lord. They go to church. They're faithful. They just, I don't, they don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure how to do it. I, I, I'm trying. I, so many people, they're trying their best. The good news tonight, it involves our effort. 
to advance spiritually, to mature, to become like Jesus, it involves our effort, but the effort is more like developing a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, than trying hard. It's more like surrender to the the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit than the vicious cycle of, oh, I fell again, I'm trying harder this week. Oh, I fell again, I'm really trying harder. Oh, I'm really fell, oh, I'm really trying. That vicious cycle, again, millions and millions of Christians live like that's normal. There's a much better cycle, and that is to simply begin to set the heart, the setting of the heart to, I need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Holy Talk to the Holy Spirit. Pray, Holy Spirit, help me to love Jesus. Start to develop that, what Paul described as the fellowship, the communion with the Holy Spirit. If you read the book of Acts, if you read the letters, if you read the New Testament, post the ascension of Jesus, there is so much talk about God's Holy Spirit. We need to talk more about this third person of the Trinity in our life today and in the church today. Letter A uh, under number four, I put this. I said, I praise God that my relationship with Jesus, it's not ultimately dependent on me and my ability to try hard. I mean, I just can't, can't imagine that if God did not indwell me to help me. Your relationship with Jesus, it's not fully dependent on your energy level. It's not fully dependent on your determination. It's not fully dependent on you. He has indwelt you to help you, to guide you into truth, to lead you to Jesus. Surrender. Surrender to a person's guidance. Surrender to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Again, not a resolute determination that we conjure up every day. We learn to walk with and be led by the Holy Spirit as He takes us to Jesus and the truth of the Scriptures in every which way. Maybe you're watching tonight or maybe you're hearing this on the recording and you're saying, man, all I've known my whole life is just grit my teeth And just try hard. I get it. I want to present to you a more biblical way. Which is fall in love with Jesus. (laughs) And develop a relationship with the third person of the Trinity. Now when I start talking about the Holy Spirit, that is alarming to a number of Christians who've never been taught about the Holy Spirit. They've heard a little bit about the Father, a lot about Jesus, and almost nothing about the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Read the New Testament for yourself, particularly the book of Acts onward. The Holy Spirit is on literally every page of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is the driving force of the early church. And there needs to be a uh, a reconnecting 
to teaching on the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Spirit, the technical term is pneumatology. That's a big word that you can impress someone with, but ultimately we just, we need to put this in view every once in a while, because here's the thing, we can't make ourselves be more like Jesus. We can't force our emotions to be like Jesus, who's full of grace and truth, but we can surrender and we can humble ourselves and say, God, I, I can't be the kind of Christian my spouse and children and coworkers and parishioners, etc. I can't be the kind of Christian that people need. The Holy Spirit says, good, I'm here to help with that. I live in you, I know you, and I'll help you just stick with it over the years and decades. Now, letter B, it says, uh, Jesus was the premier example I mean, no one has become more mature than Jesus when his 33 years on earth. There was nobody who lived who was more holy and more spiritual. He had to learn to be led by the Spirit as well. He had to learn to walk in fellowship and obedience to God's Holy Spirit. We see here in Luke 4.1, it says that Jesus was Filled with the Spirit, he returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Even Jesus had to learn how to be led by the Spirit and follow his direction. Paul says in Romans, Romans 8, 14, it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As we... Learn to walk with the Lord as we desire this, you know, Lord, change me, grow me. Intricately involved in that is learning, as it says here, to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, again, if this is like, what? I've never heard a teaching on the Holy Spirit. I've never heard a teaching on spirituality That sounds kind of new age. That sounds weird to me. Again, I've laid out Bible verses. Make sure you can see it in your own Bible. Read the book of Acts. Read from Romans through Revelation and see how the Holy Spirit and the apostles and the disciples, how there was an interaction, how there was an obedience to, how there was a fellowship with God's Holy Spirit. Again, whenever there's something happening in the culture or in the church, what's necessitated is Christians acting in a certain way. And the only way we act a certain way is when the Holy Spirit works it into us. And so I've been talking about, you know, the need for Christians to be truthful, but also gracious You know, Jesus, it says he was full of grace and truth. Well, how do we get there? We let the Holy Spirit take us there. And so you open your Bible. Lord, talk to me. Holy Spirit, lead me to truth. Lead me to Jesus as I read my scriptures or um, throughout your day as you're, you know, driving or you're at work. You can fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit. Again, he's in you. That's true. He 
also will rest on you. There are times where you may feel his presence. There's, you know, most of the time you don't. And so, um, you know, there's this idea that, okay, he's in me, but does he do anything else? Of course he does other things. There is the whole other teaching of we got to do one day, which is the Holy Spirit manifesting through you or on you. That's the gifts of the Spirit, or that's the manifestations of the Spirit. So he lives in us for sure, and we can't get any more of him because he's fully there. But there is a manifestation, there is a releasing of the Spirit's power that is also important. And so this is an important subject, but really, again, what I wanted to touch on is just make a distinction. There's a true Christian spirituality that the Holy Spirit is taking us to to make us like Jesus. But then there's also a false Christian spirituality where our life is not on a trajectory where the fruit of the Spirit are real. Our life is not on a trajectory where we're becoming holy or different. Our life is not on a trajectory where people notice us any different. And I, I, would, I would urge you, make a clean break from any version of Christian spirituality that is not 100% biblical, that is not 100%, because ultimately it's not fulfilling. It's not enjoyable. I mean, look at this. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. I want some joy in my life. I want peace. I want to be able to love God and receive love. I want to be able to love people. I want to be able to, I want my kids to know that I love them. I mean, there's so many things that I really want in life. God offers it here. I don't want a fake version that leaves me dead on the inside and, and have a whole trail of, you know, wreckage behind me. No, I want, the, I want the real stuff. And the good news is that it's real. But we got to let the Holy Spirit take us there. And here's the thing. He may have to cut a few things off of our life. There may be something in your life. You got to let him cut that away so that he can make you different, so that he can make you holy. Let him do that. And so we'll end right there. And let me make that last point a prayer. Let me make that last point a prayer. Holy Spirit, I've laid out your word. I ask, Father, for our house of prayer community. I ask for those watching, for those listening to the recording. Make us the real deal. Make us those who are true. Make us like those who have a true spirituality those who are led by the Spirit. I pray, Father, for wherever in our life there is a hindrance. I pray whatever that may be, it may be a a wrong belief, it may be a sin, it may be any, it could be a number of things. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, take it from our lives. I want to encourage you who are watching or listening is give the Holy Spirit permission. Maybe there's something you know. Yeah, I got to let the Lord get that out of my life. Let Just begin to talk to him. Maybe tonight, maybe you know, throughout the week. 
Give him permission. Maybe you're not there yet. Give him permission to take anything out of your life that is hindering you from being the Christian he's called you to be, the Christ-like believer he's called you to be. Maybe, maybe it's just between you and him right now. I don't, I don't know what that might be. But Holy Spirit, we surrender. If it's getting in the way, remove it, God. Talk to us about it, Holy Spirit. Anything that's getting in the way of us becoming holy and spiritual so that we are like Jesus in this generation. I pray tonight for a fresh sense a fresh knowing that we are sons and daughters of the Father. I pray for those tonight who struggle to know that they are genuinely saved. I pray that you'd break off any condemnation, any lies. Lord, let the truth become clear that you love them, that they are your son and daughter, and that they may not have ever felt it, but your spirit indwelled them when they first believed. Keep us all the way to the end, Father. Keep us all the way to the end. Help us to love you every step of the way by the power of the Holy Spirit. Encourage every heart tonight. And we love you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.